0: And hello,
1: and welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife. This week, I'm hosting, and I am Cy. You've probably heard me on other other episodes of this podcast recently. Um, anyway, I'm just winging the intro here until I can introduce the owner of this podcast, Joe. Say hello, Joe. Hello. And the lovely Fraser. Oh, the glorious
0: Fraser. Mm
1: -hmm. So, anyway, um, we have sat through one episode of The Two Doctors and not quite talked about what's actually going on due to various issues that occurred during (laughs) the
0: episodes. How many technical hitches did we have there? Uh, Several. (laughs) But we are professionals and we powered through. Yeah, you'd never tell. (laughs) <laughs> Seamlessly. Mm-hmm. but we promise we'll talk more about the episode in part two
1: yes well i think there's lots to talk about in this episode so um yeah are we ready to to start so i think we've left the doctor hanging
0: and perry being groped
2: oh. <laughs>
0: a memorable <laughs> place to leave the action <laughs> yeah absolutely
1: okay off we go it's that's so. You, so you me? Ready? i will count you in. In five, four, three, two, one, and go. Oh.
0: I'm dancing, man. This is like proper <laughs> disco music, right? hmm It's my proper theme. This one. Uh, I was going to say something about the cliffhanger. So when I first watched this, um, I spent about a week. I don't know why reenacting this in my bedroom. So there are several cliffhangers that I have reenacted in my time, and this, for this one, yeah, I tied up my mom's washing line in my bedroom so I could hang. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was wondering, <laughs> it was an interesting. Uh,
0: well, this one I did, and I also did the cliffhanger from Re- uh, Revelation of the Daleks, and I threw my wardrobe on me instead of uh, a bust of myself. <laughs>
2: So you were reenacting the doctor's element, not Jamie's.
0: No, I was a bit too young for that. (laughs) Skip forward a few years. (laughs) I've got to be honest, I'm more Perry than Jamie. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: He was right on (laughs) top of her. lots of Perry there, but people don't often... A bit of side boob going on there, I think, so... (laughs)
0: There's plenty yeah. of interesting shots of Nickleby, okay. you know. That's very true. I'm going to say it again, though. I think the the sets for the ducting. I think all the sets around the station are yeah. terrific, and the lighting is still really effective here. Yep, absolutely. Come on, Get up. Oh. <laughs> I love this. He's like, "Where I am, I'm where I." Robert Holmes writes Colin Baker's Doctor as a, a real eccentric, but a funny one. I think that's the difference between this story and a lot of the other ones around it, is the dialogue is genuinely, but you are in a bit where he's like, boing, boing.
2: I, I think this scene is, is is one of the ones where he doesn't have quite the good relationship with Perry. This is where, you know, he's he's trying to, he's got his arrogance, he's got his ego, he's feathers he's, not ruffles, so he's, um. With difficulty. <laughs> but he has a great yeah. line there oh did you breathe with difficulty yeah,
0: that is funny <laughs> and, and,
2: and and here. like I know
0: people say this is a very black comedy but there are lots of laughs in this oh yeah And I, we're not there yet but in episode 3 I, I think you have some of the blackest comedy in all of Doctor Who and it is sublime yeah. uh, so
1: I love to re- recognising Jamie and there's a a real
2: warmth in his voice there he... there is i think the issue i've got with this is though that would pre in episode one where we didn't need the exposition about the andro guns and that's a good thing i think in this bit would do need a bit of exposition about jamie yeah. because it's just kind of like oh it's jamie oh it is so it you
0: know, well of you screen, from, it? because you're
1: late, just not later on. And it's ten minutes of screen time maybe yeah but perry doesn't know who jamie is no you know well i have a bit. i have a theory, have a theory oh. uh, based on time lash that um the doctor has sat perry down at after dinner one day with his photo album and said <laughs> this is barbara um she loved cardigans this is susan she's my <laughs> granddaughter ian was was a teacher um this is jamie we had lots of adventures together and he's explained his whole past so that Um, So that when she opens the locket, and she's not surprised at all that it's Joe Grant that's in there.
0: (laughs) But she has a scene off screen with him in a minute, doesn't she? We stay with Colly Baker. She goes off to see if Jamie's okay, and I think in that five minutes, he basically caught her up with all the the adventures he's had. And there was this one in the land of fiction, and then we saw the Cybermen. And yeah, okay, right, I'm up to speed. Yeah,
2: but you know, if you've missed episode one, if you're just coming into this, is is episode two? It's a little bit. Hmm, who's this person, what's going on? It's a little yeah. bit... I'm going to blame Eric for that one.
0: And why is and, he so, like, feral? Is, is the idea well, that he's, yeah, he's like, gone mad because they've
2: the a, doctor died?
1: He's had a week or so, haven't they? Even probably, Possibly even less than
2: that since the battle. And he's gone completely... I'm yeah. say maybe he's a month. He's had about a month. You know, the food not and the suspension in the air of Armageddon and whatnot. He's, maybe he's had a month or two, but it's not enough for him to kind of...
0: Swings. And, and, and then in the same breath, then he's just normal again, like that. Like... Very strange. Makes your eyes feel... But um, have you ever heard Fraser Hines talk about the two doctors? Like, he talks about this story yeah. very fondly. What, and yeah?
1: I think he, he comes back and it's like he hasn't been away. Yeah. He, he's just straight back into it. He's, and I think he's. Maybe. Him and Patrick Trouton are having a really wonderful time being back in the show that they absolutely adored being in absolutely. and didn't really want to leave ever.
0: He says in the commentary, yeah. he's like, You know, I said to JT afterwards, let's do more Two Doctors. I have a feeling <laughs> that that may have lost its like charm after a little while. Yeah, The Two Doctors part two, The Two Doctors part three. Well, there is a theory that I read somewhere. I can't remember who,
1: who put it up, but who said, In some ways, it feels like the Doctor and Jamie are being set up as future guest stars who are just going to pop in every so often. And it nice. feels like they might, the, sort of the last line from Patrick Crownton saying, um, universe should be big enough for the both of us, just. It just feels <laughs> like they're going to keep crossing paths and keep keep going.
0: Yeah. Is that sustainable, though?
1: Probably not. But you can see J&T's eye on this, thinking, oh, yeah, just good publicity,
0: bringing back Patrick Troutson every year. I think what, yeah. what JT's probably thinking is um, wow, okay, they've got better chemistry than my actual leads. <laughs> I need to get rid of them and bring this lot in, you know?
2: <clears throat> He's probably thinking, right, how do I get a hold of John Pertwee now?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Madam,
1: what year is this? <laughs> so I've got a question for you both. Oh. Um, in the in the way that Joe does his questions for, for everyone. Um what do we think whereabouts is this set for the Doctor and Jamie? Do you follow the season six B um idea of it being post the war games and then off having adventures again at the behest of the Time Lords? Because I'm not sure it fits into their um into their continuity particularly well.
0: Uh, well, go on, Fraser, you you hit as real the um, theory first.
2: I mean, season six B, it's it explains a lot, doesn't it? Of, of discontinuity, it explains this, it explains five doctors, it explains three doctors to a certain extent. Um, it also um, the the future doctor that we've just seen in in series twelve fits nicely into that um, that theory. But that's because it's a theory that is woven around the events rather than anything else so um the, the, the tricky bit is is always for me with fitting this into 6b is victoria
0: that makes no sense does it
2: yeah because it's a uh, victoria's been dropped off to learn graphology or something and it's the doctor and jamie so jamie shouldn't know about the time lords but he does so the theory goes that there's time lords have intercepted him on his way to earth And earth. just come do a few jobs for us first before you before we exile you we'll give you some companions and he picks Victoria and Jamie that doesn't really fit
0: but but if he picks Victoria and Jamie but then doesn't take Victoria just takes
2: (laughs) yeah it's like oh well we're on on a super mission but you we don't really need you you can just go off somewhere there it's it's sort of you can't afford you as well
0: (laughs) I think do you know what the what Robert Holmes intended was this took place in season five somewhere where the doctor was traveling with Jamie and Victoria. Yeah. And frankly, mm-hmm. he just dismissed the war games together and said, I want to write this story. Fuck continuity. Yeah. I'm just going to exactly. write the story I want. And it's well, just think, people uh, and, like uh, us. It's people like us, the fans that have spent yeah. the last 30 years agonizing over this. Yeah. And I think Robert Holmes admitted that he
1: got confused about which doctor did missions for the time Lords and was, confused about which doctor it was and oh that is
0: because that would work for Pertwee, wouldn't it yeah it would
1: have
2: done yeah mm-hmm. yeah so uh, i mean it's, it's gritty, isn't
0: it um, in a moment colin baker gets a scene where he soliloquizes is that the right word i think it is um off camera about never more a butterfly yeah it's beautifully active it is amazing and isn't it um again robert holmes
1: does that i um you and jason talked about this joe when you did the mysterious planet one where he gets a beautiful speech just to oh. himself
0: planets come and go and, that one yeah
1: yeah and it's yeah it's very similar to this one where the universe is
2: ending and he's he's yeah he is. No, he's no the look on his face is you know as he's kind of coming to the conclusion that you know, time itself is going to end in two or three hundred years you know it's just he it doesn't get to do subtlety very often no but when he does he really knows well, he it it's like you know he's he shows you what he can do
0: i'm he incredibly distracted by his eyeliner at the moment which is very apparent <laughs> but that's just everyone in the 80s unfortunately <laughs> Here he goes. No more, sunsets? no more sunsets. What the hell is a gumblejack?
1: It's a fish. Oh, okay. That's what he's. That's what he's going to catch.
2: skin in its own juices.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, stop it, phrasing You're making me angry. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think this is a bit of poor direction as well because I was when I first watched this, I was really confused as to what I was being shown. You know,
2: is that not the point though? Maybe yeah, it is. is that not the point that we are supposed to be now thinking what uh, actually what's going on?
0: But like, you know, the first yeah. time when you see um, the doctor in there, and I was just like, "Well, this is a blue light. What's going on?" Like, <laughs> like I-, I think they could they should have explicitly like killed. The second Doctor, rather than just had him like you know banging up against a bit of glass, because the idea isn't it is that Jamie saw the second Doctor die, and that's why he's his mind has snapped. But I I was never like truly under the impression that the second Doctor had died. No,
2: and but isn't it that it wasn't as well that second Doctor was getting tortured in the machine that made six Doctor. Uh, have that wonderful fiend in yes, the TARDIS yes. that has brought him to, him to kill
0: this location. tour. It's very uh, Stephen Moffat, isn't it? All of this yeah. uh, things uh, catching up with you through time. Yeah,
1: but it doesn't quite work, does it? Because if he's not been tortured, then why has the Doctor had this reaction? Unless they have actually tortured him when they did capture him, so
0: possibly. The but yeah. there are some really funny lines around it, isn't there? Like, yes. Um, and if i'm not getting that far he says (laughs) he says later on what is it like uh, when you've wondered the universe as much as me uh you're bound to (laughs) run into yourself at some point and lies like that yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, and so watching this now we've got colin with two companions i think that really works well He gets, essentially, a surrogate companion in every story this season. There's Griffiths, no, not Griffiths, yeah, there's, no, uh, Terry Malloy's character in Attack of the Cyber Part 1, John Dar in Vengeance on Varos. Um, You get Herbert in Time Lash. So they're constantly, like, doing this. I have a question for both of you, then. Why the hell didn't they just keep Hugo in it? From the twin yeah, he's awesome. he's really good. Oh, Fraser's not man. convinced. Fraser <laughs> is not convinced.
2: No, me- maybe it's the word just keep scouting around to try and find one, thinking actually, this character, ah, nah, this one, nah. or maybe it was just Eric being nope, just no, nope. just the female, Doctor, pretty girl. That's how it works. No. Nope.
0: I mean, the thing is, Kevin McNally. Um, now I can ask you about this site, obviously, Fraser. This okay. is, we're going, we're approaching this show in different directions, <laughs> sexuality wise. Um, Kevin McNally is bloody gorgeous, so I'd be very happy yes. for him to stay on. <laughs> That's usually what it comes down to, isn't it? <laughs> My God, the doctor's alive! Ah. It instantly gets better when Trouton's in it, doesn't it? Like every <laughs> time. That's a
2: good that's a good bit of direction that the the doctor waking up and seeing
0: the star he's But okay, okay. So here's another question then. So they're they're implying obviously the second doctor's waking up, so the sixth doctor's experiencing the same thing. So is the sixth doctor then experiencing everything that's occurring from his previous lives? So surely he should be spending all of his time, you know, going
2: <laughs> Well no, he's he's specifically reconnecting with the second doctor on the astral plane.
0: Okay. <laughs> and how do you do that exactly? And point.
1: Boing, yes. You're, yeah, you're a time lord. You could do anything when you when necessary. And then Bells. forget that you've done it and off you go. This
0: is such a good line. Something Bells. to do with getting my haircut. La 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 la, 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 <laughs> la
2: la That is. You could only do that with, with Colin Baker, I'm afraid. You could only have that.
0: Yeah. Bells, Bells. my dear. Okay. Another question for the two of you there, Sontarans. Their weakest appearance or no? Yes, uh, I see, yes.
1: <clears throat> yeah, a they're too tall. Okay. Um, B they forget to actually pin down their collars, so their collars <laughs> move all over the place. Yeah, I think the performances are fine.
2: Yeah. Um, uh, this is this is probably one of the bits where yeah. the Direction can come in for some some criticism because we've missed that thing that you always want to do with the Sontarans, which is see them take the helmet off for the first time.
0: Well, and even even their reveal, their initial reveal is very undramatic, yeah. isn't it?
2: Well, in the first episode, you don't see the Sontarans. The Sontarans invade the, the ship. You get to see one of the hands threatening the second Doctor. And the next time you see him is a long shot of yeah. the 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 second in command and he's and then he takes his helmet off in the long shot and then you see he's fate and you ever say
0: but is that a fault of the script or a fault of the direction
2: I'm going to say direction I think that's very, that's very easy for you to just say right so we'll have the long shot we'll go in because then you have the scene with um, Chasini and Shockeye and Val and that's when you take the helmet off you just pan across take his helmet off the audience goes oh and then
0: Actually, yeah, that's a good point, because in like two stories time, um, Graham Harper's back, isn't he? And think yeah. of something like, I don't know, the reveal of uh, Sharif's and in Kato with all those pans and him touching all the tile. And like, they could have done something like that here, couldn't they? They could have built up to it or made it a... When he does, yeah.
2: You know, it's, it's an easy win, though. Yeah. We've seen it in the time where we're at. You know, it's just a very easy, easy shot to pull off and, and have a good impact from, so... yeah. Even Invasion of Time does that better. Yeah, and they're not the greatest
0: Sontarans. Uh, see, in the world. Well, I was gonna say that I think the ones in Invasion of Time are the weakest because like the guys in this, they are giving performances. I'm not sure Derek Dedman in uh, Invasion of Time is giving a performance at all. I think he's just walking around in a costume. So we've just got the bit where Shop Height eats a rat, and I can remember watching
1: this age nine and just absolutely being completely and utterly disgusted. I by
0: love that. this scene as a kid. Smoke fried, it might just be tolerable.
2: I think it's it's very shocking. Right? It's a very it's a very um, it's a scene of his character, isn't it? It's setting him up a bit. You know, giving us a bit more detail.
0: Do you think <laughs> this story pushes its graphic nature too far then?
1: i have issues with that i have (laughs) um i don't know it's it's very odd um season 22 i think pushes a lot of what they could get away with um in a there's a lot of things that i feel i personally feel are misjudged other people have different opinions um i really hate when lytton's hands get crushed and you cut to the scene of him just clutching it in agony and all the blackcurrant jam smeared across his fingers. Yeah. I think that is really, really horrible and unnecessary. I think there are some things in this that are unnecessary. I think there are also some things that are just funny. Shokai turning up with the Santara leg.
0: Just oh makes me my get... god! It's so
1: outrageous.
0: That joke, okay, of the the Santara, the indignity that that Santara goes through in various stages of being like, like what is he stabbed, um, blown up, and then his legs just brought in covered in blood. I mean, it is so undignified. Oh,
1: yeah, he has an acid attack as well, just yeah. to add to it, doesn't he? So, so they can get the green goo. Oh, in the yeah,
2: end. get the green goo over him he just gets greener and greener as the, yeah. that episode goes on.
0: So um, do you think Holmes is writing the Santarans as effective villains here then, or as basically comedy characters? It's interesting, because he said
1: he was, although he didn't like bringing back old monsters, and he didn't really want to do it, he felt that they hadn't been done justice in their last appearance, and so wanted to write them properly. Wow. And okay. so... But there is, I think there is a through line from Lynx to these Sontarans, because I think Lynx in The Time Warrior is quite a comedy character in lots of ways. And I I think the Sontarans are the best when they're written as comedy characters. I really like Strax as well, which is, yeah, I can see your face, Joe. That's fine. (laughs) But, But I think they are quite, they're, they're at their best when they're at. I don't think they're... Ne- uh, they just seem like militaristic buffoons, which Holmes quite likes to spoof
0: generally, doesn't he? So In this one, they're literally going yeah. all out to spoof that kind of military commander, because he's like, it is not easy being commander. The loneliness it's, it's the of responsibility, you know. It's-, <laughs> it's the fact he comes
2: in with his major stick, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, come tucked under his arm. That's his first
0: appearance. There he is. Oh, I missed a step earlier. Sorry, he gets acided as well, doesn't he? He
2: does. (laughs) There he is. Look at him. strutting in with his cane under his armpit.
0: I love that. He's like, stand at ease. Yeah, we already were.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You already were, darling.
1: Darling! I I really like how Chesini and Dystoria are just so dismissive of them. (laughs) And they're obviously just a tiny part of their plan, but they're just the means to an end. They're not what the whole story's about. It's not really a Sontaran story. It's the story of Chassini and Dastari, isn't it?
0: With Chassini, I wish, like, because we're in episode three where she kind of loses it and laps up the blood. And I wish, like, throughout there'd been a bit more of a struggle, like you'd seen her weakening. But like she's basically just an ice queen throughout and then sees a bit of blood on the floor and then it's like, oh, I'm a savage again. Oh, what is it about the TARDIS materialising in gorgeous locations? It's just always great, isn't it? Oh. When it's in a woodland somewhere. Oh, oh, here we go. Here's Oscar.
2: Oscar and Anita.
0: Mm-hmm. I really like these two. But <laughs> I, like well, I know for a fact we're going to disagree on Oscar's death in part three. I just know
2: it. Yes. But Oscar is just about to give us one of the best lines, funniest lines of Doctor Who ever.
0: Um, can you quote it for us, please?
2: I can, but you it misses a lot in translation because it's just the way that he looks from the Doctor in his wonderful, jazzy waistcoat to Perry's Bikini, to Jamie, in his <laughs> Claire, back to the and he's full height and the doctor says, yeah. "Ah, you must be the plain clothes division." <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the way Colin Baker looks at his clothes. He does that really. Good.
0: I, okay, I've heard a, a comment that Colin Baker on location yet yeah, brings his performance down. Like in the studio, he's very theatrical, and on location, I think this story absolutely proves that because he's yes. suddenly very naturalistic in Seville. And he's not hampered by having to
1: wear his great big heavy coat. Oh, I really like that waistcoat, you know. Yeah, it works really well. It's like when Davison gets to just wear the waistcoat in Planet of Fire, because it's warm and he's rolled his sleeves up, and just like, yeah, actually this works, this is good. You don't get that very much in the 80s where the doctors
2: sort of change their costumes slightly. I think the one that sticks out is, is Tom Baker in The Deadly Assassin. Oh, with his great big pillow um billowing pirate shirt yeah, oh, yeah I, think, I mean, that, that works in that story because i think that story is a very sort of deliberate um make the doctor different it's a very doctor different doctor, good story you know he's got no companion you've got him being rambo essentially for episode three i think there's a deliberate attempt there to take the scarf away take the hat away and just present him as a different character in that whole story to be honest
0: but about Colin Baker's costume, now I, know, I know we all talked about that earlier. I feel like every time he comes out of that coat, so in here, in Mark of the Rani when he's the minor, in Revelation of the Daleks when he's got the blue cloak on, I just think he looks better every single time.
1: Yeah. I really like his shirt. I really like the little gingham bits down the middle. The question marks. And, uh, I, I, well, I, as, a, as a child of Doctor Who in the 80s, the question marks were just one of those things that was just doctor who nice. so you just you just accept it and it's fine i don't really have a problem with that
2: till sylvester mccoy's oh, okay. jumper but is that <laughs> indicative I've got, McCoy's jumper, and I've got sylvester mccoy's umbrella i've got no issues with with the question oh box. <laughs>
0: will you put it on later the and umbrella. send us a picture yes thank you but do you think the question marks are like an indication of kind of how self-referential the show's become, and how like there's a there's another criticism that the show's too continuity heavy at this point. It's not doing any kind of original storytelling. And, and I mean, look at this season: side the master, the Santarans, the Daleks.
1: Yeah, there's very much that I think, but I also think it's J and T with an eye on the marketing that he never quite gets. I think he'd have done so well in the twenty-first century. He'd got all these ideas of how you you've got something distinctive that you can market. And then the merchandising wasn't quite up with him. He's made very he makes his characters look quite distinctive. So think of the season 19 crew, they're instantly recognizable because they never change their clothes. But yeah, if you did Hawk. an action figure range of those, they would look really distinctive on the shelves yeah, because you'd, know, you'd see the purple, the the yellow, the um, brown and the beige.
0: But I'm going to challenge <laughs> but, you on that because I, I, I think the second you put people in a uniform that they wear all the time, they stop being people because who wears the same yeah. bloody clothes all the time? Exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, Nicola's costumes
1: all this year are all – essentially until time lash a variation of the same the same look the shorts and the the leotard top really
2: isn't it so the cut top isn't it they get the dads watching mm-hmm. oh, Um but in in Bestie, when she does the comedy in this that the the top that you had was actually quite fuller um, and it was gnt that kept Say no, cut more off, cut more off, cut more off. And like, out, uh, like, now,
0: that would be questioned now, wouldn't it? Like, that yeah. that would be yeah, yeah. problematic. Yeah,
2: and it's, it's right, it should be. Like, as, like I said um, in episode one, you know, um, it takes away
0: from what Nick Bryan's doing with the character. Yeah. Um, and and she it just is, she's very good. Like, let's let's yeah. not forget how good she can be. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm... I think Nicola Bryant sort of said, well, she said, this
1: is like no American student I've ever seen. So it should be sort of university sweatshirt and jeans and yes. things like that. That would have been...
0: Wasn't that how it started in Planet of Fire? Didn't she have, she had like a, a full costume and JT was like, get in your costume. And she's like, I am. Yeah. And then they had to like, start tearing bits off like you said, Fraser. And
2: yeah.
0: Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. I suggest you take this. <clears throat> This isn't Lawrence uh, Payne's first Doctor Who story, is it? It's not. Hey, we just saw him before, didn't we? Yes. And again,
1: I think, I think he's, he's doing well with what he's got. He's um He's um, been given a nice new pair of glasses, which <laughs> is always a bonus. So, um, yeah, the production's paid for his glasses because he said, I've got to wear glasses. So they bought him a new Magnificent pair, which my dad had, a pair almost exactly like that in 1985, so it's very much of its Tinted time. Tinted like that?
0: Like brown-tinted ones?
1: Yeah. With with the grey plastic frame. yeah. Wow. My dad was, was on on style then, so <laughs> he didn't have the jumpsuit, thank God.
0: <laughs> you think of his three characters, uh, Johnny Ringo, oh God, what's the fella's name in The Legendary? Thank you. And then Dastarin is three very different characters, and he commits yeah. to all three of them really well. Yeah,
1: i think he's a good actor and um peter moffat brought him out of retirement basically to do this script and he said it was like jacqueline pierce also said this is one of the happiest um ex- acting experiences he had you know so i did like, to tell you one shepton mallet story oh go for it oscar says about um it's not very exciting thinking about it, but never mind, I'm, I'm, I'm now committed, but you know, Oscar there's about his, his, his dad sat in, in Shepton Mallet as an air warden air ward during the war. Well, we used to drive through Shepton Mallet when I was young, because it's down in Somerset
2: uh-huh.
1: um, where we lived. So, um, and uh, apparently I was completely obsessed because in Shepton Mallet, there's the baby sham, um, factory and it had the dancing deer that lit up on the top of the factory and okay. apparently as a very young child i would just cheer every time we went past that so that's my shet to mallet story there we go this is the quality material you all come and listen to.
0: <laughs> i was just going to talk about
1: go, i want a baby sham <laughs> i do
0: not they still did baby sham i was just going to talk about colin baker's ass so thank god you oh. saved us from that <laughs>
2: We've got the Santarans now, and then the second doctor, and these costumes just aren't. This is part of the problem. I think they're just not quite up to the standard.
0: But how good is Trouton here? He is
2: brilliant. He is brilliant. He is having stage life at the minute.
0: I love it when he looks at the camera and he's like, "Oh my giddy arms, oh crumbs."
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that didn't work. (laughs) <laughs> oh, he's had a lovely couple of scenes there, and he's just absolutely had snakes' life. Um, just he's obviously trying to get a rail get a rise out of him, get him, but you'll get released really from the thing. But he's not But he's he's had so much fun doing it, hasn't he? Do you
0: mm-hmm. think this this story misses a trick by having them come together like right at the last minute?
1: Yeah, it's, just, it's a shame you don't get stories where you've got two doctors working together for a long time. That's why I like Day of the Doctor because they're forced together right from the start. And yeah. that's a really good way. Because so, what you're watching, you want to be watching them.
0: Then that's just great because they basically take the piss out of David Tennant and Matt Smith so much. John Hurt is just so good. <laughs> these <are Chinese. clears throat> these are See, this scene here is like basically a bit of padding, isn't it? Talking yeah. about the recipe books and. But it's very in character, isn't it, for
2: for Eye. It's it's again it's what you're saying about it's, it's pattern, but it's it's Bob Holmes pattern, isn't it? It's yeah. it's stuff that gives you, um, you know, stuff about the character. It's
0: what do you think how- is um, Shakaib's best line? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's what I'm not interested in the beliefs of primitives, only in what they taste like. Uh, that's a 20-dog note. <laughs> <laughs> you can change that anywhere in the nine planets. <laughs> he's, he is fun, isn't he? But in mm-hmm. episode three, he's suddenly like super scary. Yeah. Um, one of my friends, my friend Cy, because obviously
1: all my friends are called Simon, yeah, of uh, found him the most terrifying character in the whole of Doctor Who when he was growing up. He was really petrified of him because of the cannibal sort of element of it and well, the butchery and and all
0: of that. I mean, that that's, a, that's a point, the, the cannibalism in season 22. You've got cannibals in Vengeance and Varos. You've got people eating people in Revelation of the Daleks. And then you've got oh someone... There's, there's, there's basically a theme of cannibalism. And this, this is Doctor yeah. Who, for God's sakes. But I
2: think talking about sort of like the cannibalism... Uh, or the the food element of this um it changes your perspective quite a lot when you realize that robert holmes was a vegetarian yeah
0: because is yeah, isn't this supposed to be like anti anti meat eating isn't it
2: very yeah, much so he's present you know the way he presents shock Eye, you know eating the rat and everyone's like well it's just he's just eating a rat it's a snowball and then preparing to eat jamie and trying to eat perry yeah, yeah. you know there's a message in all of that
1: um, yeah
0: it,
2: yeah the slaughtering of yeah. things
1: lesser species down the food chain isn't it yeah yeah
0: and it's not like like that's not even like the idea of tenderizing a human being for slaughter that's really dark like that's that's graphically
2: dark you know? yeah yeah but that connection is then that's what we do to animals that is what we do to cows and sheep and pigs so where does that leave us if we are you know um looking down at shock Eye for doing that where does that leave us in terms of what we do to animals there's a very very definite strong pro vegetarian streak
0: in this story do you think that message is like pushed enough like it's it's obvious enough i think it is i think it's you know it's again
2: done in a very adult way it's done in a very um it's not telegraphed it's not made explicit to you it is just presented on the screen for you to then Came to come to that conclusion. Oh, Shukwai has
0: a line, doesn't he? Um uh primitive animals don't feel pain the way we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay.
1: And look, what I do like is that there is a bit of continuity later on because um, the Doctor and Perry are eating nut roast rolls oh, yeah. at the start of Revelation, and they have followed up the vegetarian diet. And that's a nice—it's a—it's a throwaway line, but it's a nice follow-through a couple of stories later.
0: And that nut roast roll murders whatever's in that lake, <laughs> and that's a—that's a direct continuity link from *Vengeance on Varos*, where it's implied the Doctor is a dreadful cook. Yep. You could just imagine it being like, Oh, I'm gonna prepare you this amazing feast and then wheeling out this dog shit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I I I I don't know why. I just love all of this. I don't care that they're not really doing much here. It's just it's it's a pretty location, it's great characters, it's nice dialogue.
2: Yeah. I think in the first episode it doesn't quite work as well because it's just the doctor and Perry um wandering around the space station. But you bring the extra characters in. Um, you bring Jamie and you bring Anita, you bring Oscar and certainly lifts it. It's a lot more colourful, isn't it? Colorful,
1: you, can, it yeah. you can pair the characters off in different ways then where you've got these people to, to work with and that works really well because I think Colin and Anita have a nice little sort of relationship.
0: and yeah. Isn't it great how and, Jay, Jamie's horny for a kiss and it's the Doctor that gets it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's There's a bit of a
2: trouble in Betyaphne is that um, you know the doctor has essentially just sent perry into danger um you know the doctor has basically just said someone needs to go knock on the door to give a distraction so we can sneak in the back. so off you go perry and just, yeah it's uh, very irresponsible just distract them you know and obviously it ends with her then being you know chased by shot towards the
0: and I, I know Shokai in a minute when he looks out the window. It's supposed to be like, oh, you know, a lovely, tasty meal. But it's the most pervy scene in Doctor Who's like, oh, oh lovely. You know, like a fine, yeah. fleshy beast. Isn't that what he calls her? Oh,
2: here he comes, uh, he's about to lean on the windowsill, lick his lips, and.
0: But that sequence of her running down the hill with him coming behind. I mean, it's like something out like of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's terrifying. It's terrible. Yeah.
2: And it's it's for all that it's it's not perry being lusted after her looks you know lusted after sexually she's still being lusted after her body so it's kind yeah. of it's exactly the same scenario we've been in someone wants
0: perry's body but i think they get away with it here because in episode three they're like oh take the one in the skirt so they do exactly the same thing to jamie like you know it's not like exclusively the women um, can somebody please yeah, explain the plot to me, please? what is what is actually going on here? Well,
1: what it is is basically the plot of Robert Holmes's twentieth um, anniversary story being played out now. So his rejected story, the Six Doctors, <clears throat> is the basis for the plot where um, the cybermen would have kidnapped working with the master, kidnapped the second doctor to locate the symbiotic nuclei of the Time Lords. And they'd basically be playing out this same plot, but it would involve all the other doctors.
0: Oh, that sounds dreadful. I'm sorry, Robert Holmes. I mean, you would have made it work because you're a great writer. Hang on, though.
2: Even He said he couldn't quite make it work. Hang on, though. So the master was going to work with the (laughs) Cybermen to genetically implant Time Lord characteristics into their body that that sounds a bit familiar that does Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> there's no new ideas
1: <laughs> oh, but yeah it um so basically it's all to do with um how time travel works in the Doctor Who universe the Time Lords apparently have some kind of symbiotic link with their TARDIS that Makes Where it work. did that come from? Like
0: that's dropped here and never spoken of again, ever. No. So yeah, it's
1: yeah, it, it's the means to an end, and it explains why the Tarts Rhymer module doesn't work properly.
2: Yeah. And right. that jewel doesn't work because you need to have special time lord DNA in it, and the Santarans want this and. She's seen he's going to give it to them, but she's not going to give it to them. She wants it for herself.
0: Right. I mean, it all sounds very convincing. Essentially, they just wanted to have a romp in Spain, right? Yeah, basically. Okay. <laughs> I love the fact that he just walked in there and went, we could cook her tonight. I could make a nice sauce. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great character. I really love Shanghai
2: It's the costume as well. I mean, every time he moves, because he's got all, he's got his big... Simitar- and he's got everything yeah. else around. He's got, every time he moves, there's a there's a jangle, isn't there? So, mm-hmm. you
0: yeah, well, In the um, in the novel, I I was gonna read the novel ahead of doing this, and I got about halfway through. But he's portrayed as not John Stratton in the novel, as a gr- big, muscly, terrifying man. Um, I don't know though. There's because there's something so grotesque about how he looks in this. I think this is more effective yeah yeah because the the
2: strength's still there because he um seen in the the third episode where we steal the van he was supposed to break the van drivers back with his bare hands you know the the idea is that androgons are really quite physically strong as well as really really hungry I'm going to
1: say, you wouldn't get away with showing so many knives on screen as I used in this story. You, would, you? you no. wouldn't be
0: able to do half the stuff they did in it. You wouldn't do the acid scene now for Venter of Varos. No. You wouldn't have Davros having his arms, uh, his hands shot off. You wouldn't have someone like melting in acid. Like, oh, and you think
1: this is about at, at 5 at night
0: at this point. So, were you guys uh, watching this on first transmission?
1: I was, yeah, I was there.
0: No, I wasn't. Okay, and so and you seem to be quite a you know a, a stable human being. Yeah, I grew up all right. <laughs> really, honestly, I know. So in, I'll tell you what. In your back room, you've got like an acid room, haven't you? <laughs> and the room where you chop people up. This is where it all started. See,
1: just be nice on the outside. No one will ever suspect anything. <laughs>
0: Fraser is always the quiet one. You got to wash out going, you know.
2: I'm starting to notice that. he <laughs> <laughs> just said the Androquin would break us in half with one hand.
0: I do like the fact you've got Perry here. She's actually been given a role, and she's doing it quite well as well. Yeah. Like she, she, she's being, uh, she's given a good role in the plot. But you've also got, and I don't think Colin Baker has written as a very clever doctor very often. And in a minute, he has that whole scene with Jamie where he's spilling out. Like a load of stuff he wants the santaras to hear. He has had oh, it's they're being written as smart people, which I like. Show she might she be particularly been... interested in the kitchens. Always grizzly.
1: Like this again, same... I'm really like the sets here. the, yeah, the are set really same thing. The hacienda is is really nicely done.
2: Yeah, I think I, that scene was a bit of a, a, a funny one. It's say, like, let's wheel the Doctor past that and see if, you, um, see if she reacts to it. So you get Distario out with these...
0: It's a bit like when they turn up at the house in Rocky Horror and everyone's in that outlandish clothes. Can you know? let me trundle past that? <laughs> what are you to do? We're just having an eccentric party.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. When says, Oh, he's been having a very tiring time lately. <laughs> when they got him physically strapped into the wheelchair.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. Well, didn't, um, didn't Colin Baker and Fraser Hines um, take some liberties with Pat when he was in the wheelchair? and <laughs> <a> <laughs>
0: And later on in part three, apparently the bit where they have to put water on Perry, they had a massive bucket that they threw over her head. Oh, here we go. This oh.
1: is one of the best bits of music in Doctor Who. And I really love how they mix the Radiophonic <inaudible> Workshop synthesizers and the Spanish guitar. And it's just, ah,
0: it's phenomenal. Do you like the like? It's really cool. Do you ever see that episode of Red Dwarf, Government of the Apocalypse? It's
2: yeah, like, it's
0: like this, uh, the bit where the, the cat yeah, dances. It. Oh, that is scary. Whoa. That's horrid. Ow. You don't often have like a POV cliffhanger, do you? That's scary. Not often. and
1: am particularly not in this era.
2: If they'd kept it as just shock eye rather than to cut the Perry's face, if they'd kept it just a shock eye leaving over, that would have been another one for Mary Whitehouse. That would have been
0: Oh, I, I mean, bet you oh, much, I love the JNT comment about um he hoped Mary Whitehouse was watching because it automatically put two million viewers on the whole sheet. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, but, that, well, that's, I'm gonna say it, something yeah. big happened
1: between episodes two and three, which we'll probably have to touch upon in the next one. I'm I'm leaving that as a cliffhanger now oh God. for you, so oh, <laughs> I am literally
0: salivating with excitement mm-hmm. right now. Um, but there's definitely a shift. My melt I <laughs> but After that, oh, I'm expecting anything. Mm-hmm. But do you not think there's a definite shift from part one to part two? It just feels like it's it's opened out a lot more. Like you said, there's more interesting characters, so it's 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 more fun. Yeah,
2: I think yeah. I think part one is is just a lot of padding, unfortunately, um, and it is just all sort of like around the spaceship, around the you know, the the science set or whatever it is. And it's not until you get to seville not until you get all your characters into seville that the plot starts to open up that the story starts to develop
0: so would you um, then fraser would you have got if you were writing this would you have just gotten to seville a lot quicker
2: um i thought about this and i thought i might have done something a little bit different and that i would have had parts one and part two the same story told from the different perspective of each doctor Ooh, that's part one, one would have just been purely Pat and Jamie. Part two would have just been Colin and Perry. And then it would have been I would have put, put some moments in where maybe they're on the space station at the same time. And there's been like the Romans where they don't meet each other. Oh, so
0: come on. That is
2: brilliant. have some sort of you know, little tiny possible crossovers like that. So you watch one week and you don't fully understand what these bits are. And then you watch the second week and
0: you have both given an alternative um, version and of the two doctors here. I oh, Essentially I've been...
2: part one and part two are the same bit of story and then part three is essentially part two so it's, it's, you're turning a two-part it's story into never... a
0: three-part. I know somebody who uh, mooted the idea of, okay, this this would never happen in a million years, but you, you have the second doctor's part of the story happen in his era and then you do the sixth Doctor part in his era and you just tell the story from two different perspectives. Now, obviously, that would never happen, but that's a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Well, so I'm going to invent a time machine, uh, take you both back to the 1980s, um, put a sack over Eric's Saward's head and bundle him off into a cupboard and give you the roles <laughs> of script editor. Because you're both <laughs> writing better versions of this story. <laughs>